Merry Christmas, everyone, and welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Chris. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch. And we have a very special Christmas episode. We're joined by four of our players, uh, and we're just going to start with introductions. So the first one we have is Jared. Hi, Jared. Hi. Hi. I'm Jared. We have a question for you guys, too. So if you were to be in a dungeon or a D&D world, and there was a St. Nicholas there, you were a character, what would your present be that you would ask for? Now, this is this is not like a made-up character. This is like this is like personal legit selves. You. Yeah. Like, what would yep. we want in a world of Dungeons & Dragons? Okay, so I'm assuming uh, that, just like real life, my wife would be very disappointed in me. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're I assuming would... you'd have a wife? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I know he's got a wife. There's plenty of women in the Dungeons & Dragons world, even though I've never really met one in any of them. They're just all wearing metal bikinis. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I'm assuming I'd be as much of a disappointment to hypothetical wife as I am to real wife. <laughs> what is going on? And so I... This I, is the most unjolly Christmas episode <laughs> ever. I would want a, a goat, I think, so I could help provide some food. That's uh, not where I thought that and, was going to go. And money for my family. I imagine we'd be very poor, uh, and so hopefully that would bring some happiness to us uh, for a while. So I would want a goat. Okay, <laughs> a goat. All right. Uh, next, we have Caleb. Hi, Caleb. Hey, how's it going, Chris? Uh, same question to you. What would you want for Christmas? Well, we all know that if I was in a D&D world, I would be a paladin. Yeah, right. we, yeah we know that. <laughs> so, yeah. as a paladin, I would I would ask for from St. Nicholas that my, that my paladin mount would be a pegasus. Nice. Nice. I could see that. Can you imagine Caleb riding around well, a pegasus? What would your pegasus's name be? He know. asked knowing that you were, like, the worst at coming up with the age really quickly. <laughs> you know what? In this world, my mount is named Harold. Harold. And it's kind of a, Harold a junkie Pegasus. thing, but I'm fond of it. I, I have a it's a junkie Pegasus. <laughs> it's like it flies only to the right. No. no. No, I'm saying in the real world, my mount, my explorer. <laughs> in, in this world, my mount, my explorer, my transportation is called Harold. Um, they call so, it my lucky wing. So I would, so I would call, so I would call my mount and my Pegasus Harold. Uh, I like I, it, Harold. Like okay, gotcha, I wonder gotcha, why I like nobody it. cares what my goat's name would be. <laughs> what would your goat's name be? Dude? What would your goat's name be, dude? Steven. Steven's <laughs> 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 a good name. <laughs> All right, moving on. Moving on. Steve. Uh, you guys may recognize this next one. Uh, we we like to call him Magic Mark uh, because he's helped us out with our uh, magic episode, our previous one, and helped us out with our future one that will be coming out. Yeah. Uh, so, hi, Magic Mark. Hi. Hi. How's it Same going? question to you. Uh, it's not doesn't matter how I'm doing. Same question okay. to you. Um, well, let's face it. The player who rolled my stats did not do very well. This <laughs> <laughs> is so sad. So... So I'm not going to be some adventurer with a greatsword going to slay dragons and whatnot. More than likely, I'm that NPC shop owner who's like, would you like to buy some bread? <laughs> uh, so, with that in mind, I think... You can't even be a smithy. You're a bread maker. I didn't roll high enough You're not even the one making the bread. You're yeah. just selling it. <laughs> Charisma modifier, man. Yeah, I got maybe a charisma of 12. Man. Everything else is 10 or below. Oh, maybe an intelligence of 11. Um, but I think I would just want plumbing. 
<laughs> like you're the oh, one place. <laughs> yeah, everybody in a D&D world is still pooping in the outhouse. I want indoor plumbing. The adventures are running around with a plus five sword. They're all just like, man, I'm so jealous of the bread maker. <laughs> that, no, the bread seller, not even the yeah, bread maker. And I can turn it in. That dude's got some sweet benefits. And just make a killing off all the filthy rich adventurers. They're all, have 11 they're and all dying from gold. terrible diseases yeah. like related to the anus. You're <laughs> <laughs> just like living to 100. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just want indoor plumbing for Christmas. That's all awesome. Right. Yeah. Okay. And we have one more joining us, Mark. He lives all the way out in Washington. He was a former player of ours. Not uh, Magical Mark. Not Magic Mark. This is just Mark from Washington. Say hi, Mark. Hello, from Washington. Hello. <laughs> so, same question to you. What would you ask St. Nicholas for in a D&D world for Christmas? Uh, for Christmas, I would ask for a bottomless quiver because I like to kind of sit in the back and pick the unfortunate baddies off. And uh, <laughs> usually sitting in the back, you... Uh, you really don't get a lot of the loot when everyone else starts running towards the uh, treasure chest. So I'd be I'd be out a lot of money, and not having to spend money on arrows would be the bee's knees. <laughs> the bee's knees, <laughs> arrows that cost like next to yeah, nothing. nothing. You have like the most selfish adventures <laughs> in your party. My, my guys never get any loot. They never, Dude, never where get were gold, you? So we it's a win-win. Win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, three oh, main drink room. It's a way, of course. <laughs> oh. All right, we'll come back to you, Mitch, uh, Dungeon Master Mitch. What would you like for Christmas? Okay, so honestly, I thought I, I'm glad we got like bottomless quiver and Pegasus. I wasn't expecting I would want plumbing and a, a goat. Uh, <laughs> I expected everyone to come with like some really awesome like weapons or something. But basically, I kind of had the same idea. Like, if I'm in, like, I was just like, okay, let's be honest. I'm in a D and D world. There's ogres. There's orcs. I'm freaking not like. I'm not running up to these things and kill them. I'm not gonna be an adventurer. I'm gonna be trying to like run the heck away from them as fast as I want. As fast as I can, so I would love some boots of expedious retreat. <laughs> just like whenever I want, just, I can have, I can run faster than the bread maker who's getting eaten by the dire owl bear. <laughs> I just I don't want to die. That'd be nice. If you're really gonna crap, you can run to the, the bread seller's house. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point about them. Let's go back to the plumbing here. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you got outhouses. Like, how many people in D&D world die just on their way to the outhouse? Like, they're attacked by an owl bear, or some cockatrices. <laughs> like, like, Mark has significant... Magic Mark, sorry, has significantly improved his lifespan just by having plumbing. <laughs> what, what would happen if you, like, open the outhouse door and there's somebody that was just, like, frozen from a cockatrice? <laughs> just stone. Or, like, his, he's, like, got his pants half down. <laughs> Gotta go. Oh man! All right, Chris. Uh, how about you, uh, Saint Nick in the D and D world? What do you want from him? Gosh, uh, I think I'm just gonna say a bag of holding. Yeah. I don't know. I think that'd be sweet. <laughs> I don't know. You can store all sorts of stuff in there. Yeah. Six pack of beer, soda in there. <laughs> you never heard? Did you ever see Tommy Boy? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Six pack of beer, beer. soda. Uh, oh. yeah. I just heard you say buh soda. I was like, buh soda? What the heck is buh soda? You've never heard of that? No, 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 you don't want it. So anyway, so this this episode, we have a bunch of fun stuff planned. We have, uh, most of it's going to be taken up by story time. We have some really fun stories to share with all of you. Uh, Probably as funny as what we just had. 
Hopefully. Hopefully. We had a lot of good funny stories. Yeah, we have, uh, you've, you've probably noticed if you listen for a while, we've been asking some uh, funny questions like, uh, what would you get a halfling for Christmas? We're going to have the best answers that we think you guys came up with later in the show. Uh, we have a special present for you. Uh, do we want to tell them what it is before nope, we get to that absolutely section? absolutely not. Okay. And then we have a special song for you at the yes. end. Yes. A we gift told from... be singing. A gift from the, all, the... All the guys look scared right now. Yeah. You guys don't have to Yeah, you guys have to do it. We it's recorded it. recorded right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Oh, it's Jared great. just left. It's great. I would have walked out. Yeah. We so literally, how many times have we listened to it? I was kind of excited about this. I was going to grab my guitar and jam. Nice. I'm going to to you guys. Yeah, so, yeah, so we'll, we'll give that to you guys at the end of the episode as a special treat. Yes, but, so, but now we've, we've heard all of your cries. We're amazed by how many of you have said that you uh, love listening to story time. And so uh, for Christmas, uh, here is our extended story time episode. The Tale of Gimdal and Azor. Uh, to begin this story, uh, we have to start with character creation time. Uh, when Magic Mark and I were coming up with characters, and uh, we decided we were going to be half-dwarf uh, brothers. Yep. Uh, but one of the things that the DM, who's not at this table or in this recording, uh, said to all of us was, uh, go ahead and try and break the game. If you break the game, I'll allow it. And the second thing he said was that us characters could have anything we want, which to me was obvious that something in the plot was going to take stuff away from us. <laughs> and let's just let me just stop you right there, Jared. This is not a episode about learning what to do as a DM. This is a fun episode. <laughs> this is not. Now let's fun. just let me just state two things right there that Jared said never to do as a DM. Continue, Jared. <laughs> so. Knowing that I can have whatever items I want uh, and that it's okay to break the game, I took that as a personal challenge. Uh, and I decided not only would I have sweet armor and sweet weapons, but I would also have a house full of stuff. So that if my character nice. was robbed, I would go to my house and I could get my magical items and awesome swords and you awesome armor. You like backups armor. for everything. And then in the mountains. And then in the mountains, in case that didn't work, if the house burned down. I had treasure chests buried in very specific <clears throat> locations uh, so that later I could go dig up the treasure chest and pull out those magical items and all of that. And gold. we also had a family gold, gold bank account in a nearby <laughs> city. Um, like, a bank account with, like, 100,000 gold. Can I so ask how long gold. you two, like, conspired together on this? Maybe, like, 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that long to go. Yeah, let's figure out how we can cheat the past. <laughs> Just a couple of maniacal geniuses over here. And so what ends up happening is uh, our stuff is stolen from us. Uh, the place is, I think, destroyed. Our town is where, like, this attack happened. Uh, yep. So the Stones Wrath, that was our last name, estate was uh, sort of destroyed. But I managed to get, like, a, an onyx dog out of there. Yeah. Uh, and so that was okay. That was kind of allowed because I don't think the DM really knew what it was. He absolutely uh, didn't. You said, uh, I'm going to take my onyx dog from the mantelpiece. Okay. Yeah. What was it exactly? <laughs> go this small if carbon. he knew how much it was worth and what it did, <laughs> what, 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 what was it, Jared? Uh, it's Basically, it's a magic dog that you, I think you have a command word or something that you basically down, something yeah. you tur it turns into a dog. Uh, and so as a, a riding dog. dog. I had this yeah. riding dog. 
Um, <laughs> and so anyway, I, all this happens, and I go into the mountains, and I dig up stuff, and I look at the treasure chests, and they're fine. They're untouched. No dirt is moved, but they're completely empty. Of course they are. <laughs> of course. I didn't expect the DM to actually give me all this stuff. Uh, but there was no explanation as to why it was empty. And that was kind of a lot to put on him on the spot. That's fine. We go to the bank no, and all our, all our... No, it's not. <laughs> we, we go to the bank and all of our gold is gone. And so already all of this stuff is stolen from us. Yeah. Uh, and then So I, like 45 minutes into first session, well, not more than 45 minutes, like a couple hours into first session, our family has been robbed blind <laughs> nothing. Literally, nobody knows who did it. Yeah, and no one knows where all this money went. No one knows where all this gold was. All this stuff that was burning in the hills, it's like some invisible force has been after <laughs> our money and our stuff. <laughs> to the point where our characters have generated this level of like absolute paranoia. Like, somebody's after us. Us. <laughs> like, who cares about the story that the DM came up with at this the point? The Almighty God, Ungen Master. I know. So, like, Ungen Master. Ungen Master. From your personal belongings. Oh, yeah. And then at, at some point, this was quite a bit later in the campaign. Um, but I, my character was obsessed with stones, hence a, a stones, wrath, brothers, dwarves, all that kind of stuff. So, I had taken some precious gems out of um, a loot that we were supposed to deliver back to a town. We like saved it and brought it to the town. And the exact gold value of those gems disappeared from my <laughs> coin purse. What? Yes. <laughs> so, literally on my person, money phased out of existence. <laughs> and Hold on, the... I gotta stop here because the story is even better than what you're explaining. <laughs> you had given to the party loot of yeah. which I was carrying a good character who didn't like all your dastardly plans <laughs> carrying the party loot and all of a sudden boop, half the party loot went missing <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. just out of thin air <laughs> DM goes, oh by the way, let me see your character party sheet <laughs> what? <laughs> so, even even better <laughs> yeah um, so there was this point where I think Jared and I both went like so how does our how do our characters change now that everything we've ever had basically was stolen from us in a very very mysterious way and like how does this change our outlook on life and so we basically went from like normal dwarves to incredibly paranoid we got dragon sickness and just like <laughs> we're like all about like where's the money who took it it's mine you weren't like you weren't like freaking about the ark and freaking out about the ark and stone you guys are freaking out about the copper pieces I know. <laughs> so it's 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 awesome though that you guys took an opportunity in which really the dm shouldn't have done quite a few things but you, even though I know, because I played with you guys at the time, that you guys weren't happy about things the way they went down, you guys took that and allowed that to still shape your characters and have fun once the, once the uh, you know, steam from your ears stopped flowing out. <laughs> like, to have fun with, how, do my character, how does my character react to all these things that make absolutely no sense? <laughs> I still got my free chain shirt plus one. Uh, <laughs> a couple of 
We still got away with quite a few I got free my things. Onyx dog. Yeah. So. Um, and then later on, I found a diamond the size of my head. But, <laughs> we'll we'll say that. A diamond the size of my head. <laughs> oh, we didn't even put that in the list. That's a crazy one. Yeah. <laughs> I think. I still have my shovel that can find any stone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that can dig twice as fast. I remember that. Oh, gosh. That's awesome. Uh, uh, so that is the story of... Gindale and Azur, the Stone's Wrath Brothers. The tale of Uther and Gog. So, Mark, uh, Washington, Mark, uh, in the same campaign that uh, Azor and Gimdal were in, uh, there was another duo of characters that uh, was your and my character, uh, yes. and they were fun. We were we were all we were just kind of a goofy group. Uh, so, uh, Mark, tell us about your character, and then I'll tell us, tell everybody about mine. Uh, yeah, my character was a half-giant, I believe a fire half-giant, named uh, Gog. He had the, kind of like the long red Scottish beard and the no, long... That, was, that wasn't the full name, Mark. What was your full name? It was uh, Gog the Destroyer. Okay. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just killed a lot of stuff going through the game. And uh, he kind of got his, his name as Gog the Destroyer from uh, almost kind of like being banished from his from his home tribe because he was a half-giant, and they kind of saw that as a an abomination in his home tribe. And so to prove himself, he had to go out and just slay, like, hundreds of orcs, hence Gog the Destroyer. Um, not not a bright character at all, very stupid, um, and it only got worse when he got enraged. Um, I, think, <laughs> I think the most angry Gog got... Um, it was just an emotional roller coaster for him. One day we um, we we had to we had to kill one of the other characters in our group. Just some bad stuff going on, and then we're running from these goblins and we hide in this cave. And Gog's just kind of off on his own, just taking a deep breath. And he sees this butterfly flying, and for some reason he's drawn to it, and he's just kind of like watching the beauty. And out of nowhere, two arrows come flying across, like, on either side of his head, and both just take the wings off this butterfly. <laughs> and it's, for some reason, that was just the icing on the cake. Gog turns around, goes into a blind rage, and just starts running at these, what, five goblins that had come into the cave? It was a butterfly that sent this guy over the edge. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just not a bright person. Just kind of by the end of the campaign, just very emotionally drained. Um, <laughs> but so, so much fun to play. And so my character was Uther, uh, full name Uther Dominus Graypaw, and he was a 15 foot tall um, bear uh, that spoke common. Like he was <laughs> one of my favorite characters, and. Uh, kind of a misfit, even in that misfit group. Like they all had uh, very, very focused goals. Most of them. Uh, my character uh, would had no goals. Like so, we just go out of the woods and uh, <clears throat> try and find honey. And I remember there was this one time I found a female bear, and that was a whole different story. <laughs> but so uh, Uther and Gog were. Uh, 
immediately we kind of uh, just honestly from our players like you and me, Mark, just like sitting next mm -hmm. to each other the first day of the campaign, just like kind of joking around. Our our characters became really close and uh, going going along with kind of uh, Azur and Gimdal's story. Uh, this campaign had a lot of rocky uh, roads that we had to go through, and as players we had to struggle with some decisions that were being made. And there were a lot of times where at the table, uh, things happened at the table that kind of seeped past characters into players, uh, whether it was DM to player or players to player. Um, and so one of the biggest things that was appreciated in this campaign, at least I think for you and me, was comedy. Um, just like joking, yeah. we got the chance to like joke around. So uh, I kind of just, I think, uh, like I, I decided one day I just wanted to roll with it. And one of the things with me with building a character is I don't really figure out who a character is until I really get to play him. Like I come up with an idea, but then I play him and things change. And so I started playing Uther, and Uther became kind of a, a prankster. And so <laughs> yeah. one day I decided, all right, God, you and me, we're going to town. I bought, like, you a top hat. I bought <laughs> myself a top hat. I got us both canes. Um, I think I got you, like, a suit with, like, tails on it, which was funny because, like, you were shirtless. <laughs> yeah. So you just held it, had it open with, like, your, your chest beating out of it. Um, and we decided to go into a tavern and start the Uther and Gog comedy hour <laughs> and it it was just something that picked up and every single time we ended a night we tried doing the Uther and God comedy hour and the best night that we did this was near the end of the closing of uh, this campaign uh, we we had this night where uh, there was the civil war going on in this country and we had finally decided what side we were going to be on and I kind of was like alright God time for a show uh, just go with what I do don't ask questions, and you're you're dopey. You're kind. I kind of used your stupidity a little bit, your character stupidity a little bit, um, to make things like funny and happen. And so I had you drink a potion of Featherfall. Um, and so when it, when we <laughs> yeah. were up on the stage, I basically presented you as the enemy uh, nation, and I was the uh, the nation that everybody at the bar was like applauding for. And I just like. As a big bear, even though you're a half giant, I like picked you up, threw you in the air. You just start floating <laughs> down to the ground, and I picked up chairs and just started bashing you around the room like a, a slow <laughs> floating bat. And I'm just making jokes the entire time about the enemy country, and like everybody's going wild. The nice thing was. It was funny because you like were all beaten up and bruised at the end, but you were just like, "We did a good show, huh?" And, and like, and we did because we like we totally messed up that tavern, but somehow we made money. I think now it was Gimdal. Gimdal was actually our manager yeah. at that point, right? That's yeah. right. And I think Azur was our like hype man. Like you were going around yeah. like telling people about it. So we were all we were all latching on to that comedy aspect of the campaign pretty hard because it was. It got to a point where we just needed it, but the Uther and God comedy hour, such great well, times. Wasn't that the same night, too, where um, I think Azur brought out a flag that we had found of the other country, uh, and we yeah. burned it on stage? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh gosh, oh. so frowned upon in today's world, <laughs> but they loved it. Oh. Oh well, I think I think because I had you wear it, and that's how we identified. And I wore the one oh, on the country. That's right. Yeah. And so I bashed you around, but I think we ended with burning it on stage. Oh, that was yeah. awful. We kept it on. We kept it on my back. I'm pretty sure we lit me on fire since oh. I was resisting <laughs> the fire. <laughs>
campaign goes on a long time, it gets to the point where this guy's an adult or a, or a young man. I can kind of take him along with me. He can be a, a follower and he can do yeah, go on adventures with me. It'll be great. Yeah. But I was this could be really cool. But it was also like it's just a really cool role playing thing. I'm tra- teaching this kid how to be a, how to be a paladin. And so every time, like sometimes we went, I went a week or so out of my way that we weren't doing anything, yep. just to go down to this village and um, and hang out with Billy and teach him how to be a paladin. And <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Like, that's that's right. Of, you called him Billy. Like yeah. his full name was William, but yeah. you you Balpers called him Billy. Yeah. <laughs> now Billy wasn't always the. Best student. Yeah, he was a little bit. He was a little tough at the beginning. He was a right? little bit. Uh, um, a little chaotic. A little, yeah. little he precocious. Was, he was a little. He was a little obsessed with the whole idea of having a sword and killing orcs and like everything. But but like we had we specifically had you like try and train him in not just the ways of battle but the the code of the exactly. Paladin yeah, too. That, that was. And he started to come along. I and, think probably half the time we spent like it was like and in fact it was even. It was pretty intentional, even. That was like about half the time we spent it was like some of it was spent on training, but probably half or more of it was spent talking about the code of of how to make decisions as a paladin, the moral code, and the, um, the just that sort of thing. And that was something that I think was, uh, you know, a great idea to use in your campaign for like, especially like knight characters, like having an NPC in game that becomes kind of a squire. And he never, we never had him follow you out of town. You didn't no. want to bring him into danger, but yeah. um, I assume like. We never role played through this, but I assume later in life, Balfour's probably returned to him and continued his training and perhaps yeah. adventure with him. And I think that was actually part of futuristic stories, which we'll get to. Um, but yeah, that was a. It was. Would you say that was was your most close NPC, or was that it was top three? Yeah, at the probably. I, yeah. I can't think of any closer off the top of my head. I'll bet that yeah. probably was. That was your closest NPC. That, yeah, so. that or the bard that I had that uh, probably Billy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that is the story of Balfour's the Bofo and William of Wellfall. The story of the player who wanted to be a Balor demon. Uh, so speaking of William Wellfall, um, a while back Jared and I decided to have a prison campaign um, with lots of cameos, and it was it was our evil campaign, so everybody got to do more negative things, and um, so it was really centered around a bunch of prisoners, and we decided that it was very cameo laden. It was just following this campaign with William and Balfris and things like that. Um, so, William actually grew up to become the warden of this prison, and he had followed all the codes of Balfris and all of the lawful good paladin ness and Balfris ended up being, like, the head paladin of this nation of noble humans, and Balfris put a lot of evil people in prison. Well done, Balfris. I know. Yeah. Balfris did his paladin <laughs> job. By not paladin killing, but paladin <laughs> imprisoning. <laughs> and it was paladin great. Paladin great. So, yeah. So in this story, William was like his his head heir and um, was the most trusted lieutenant of Balfour's. And so he became the warden of this prison uh, on an island off the coast of a nation. And this whole... It was like an island off of a penal colony off of a 
nation. Was that exactly how it went? Sort of. So, so it was like a, it was like the Alcatraz of a penal colony of a right. nation, and it was so, like you guys built it in my world of Atos, and you basically made it the prison that all the worst. Yeah, people ever went to. <laughs> <laughs> it was the absolute worst prison mm-hmm. in in the world. Well, the best. Yeah, the, worst. Well, the, the <laughs> yeah. most secure. I don't know. However, you want to put that. Um, and so William was this warden and a paladin, and all these things happened there. And the campaign started with quite an interesting factor. Jared, do you want to go off on this interesting tangent that the campaign started with? Yeah. For the most part, people had sort of put together their characters and Mark, uh, sorry, Magic Mark and I uh, had uh, looked at them, uh, but one of the guys who joined us uh, didn't really submit a character idea or anything. He just sort of showed up the night we were going to play. <laughs> Always a bad idea. And I remember I'm sitting in my favorite rocking chair, I'm going back and I'm just I'm scrambling to get together some last minute notes and he walks in and uh, he says, so uh, I was thinking about my character, I'm going to play a Balor Demon. <laughs> not, not can I play a Balor Demon, not what do you think of, but I'm going to play a Balor Demon. Alright, if you don't know what Balor Demon is, pause <laughs> and look it up right now. Alright, you're back? Okay. <laughs> uh, and so he says that and it's like, uh, okay. He's, don't worry, don't, don't worry. You don't have to do anything. I already nerfed it for you. And so he came with this nerfed Balor demon, and I'm sure it quotation was. Quotation marks. Yeah, sorry, you can't see my quotation marks. But I, just, I, remember, like, I remember going to getting Mark, and I don't remember what you thought of it, but it was like, what are we... What I just remember it point? being one of the most stressful moments of my life. Because, like... I'm not very the most stressful moment right? of your life. What <laughs> I'm not very good at telling people no, yeah. and this guy was one of was still one of my best yeah. friends. He's one of our good friends. So like, yeah, I had this struggle of like, how do I say I'm not comfortable with you? <laughs> um, I feel like you're trying to cheat me. Um, <clears throat> so there was this moment of like dread that came over <laughs> me because I was like, this is not okay. Valor Demon even nerfed. <laughs> Is still like a level twenty character. Yeah. Ram- you you have to take the three point five uh, regular typhling and nerf it to make it not an LA. They <laughs> have a lesser typhling. And like looking at some of the abilities that this nerfed Balor Demon had, uh, he could in an instant pretty much melt anybody with a single thought. Did you guys start <laughs> at level one. Yeah, this is level five. Still, you know, at level five, where all the characters have melt people with thought skills, right? <laughs> That's my level. Well, well, my level five characters do. That was just a very, very stressful uh, situation to like be moments away from playing and having to tell this guy can't be. <laughs> so so I think what we ended up letting him play, right? We let him role play the night. night. Cuz he had to leave early or something anyway. He so, was only able to be there for like half the session. Yeah. <laughs> and so anyway, so this so there's this penal colony which is basically like what Australia used to be and then off this island is a smaller island and that's uh, that's Demon Keep Prison. And so there's this prison break that goes on with the characters, and they eventually get to the bottom of this prison, which is built on, like, this cell that's holding this powerful demon. Uh, and I remember some of the characters sort of broke through the door there, 
and it was it was very interesting watching guys like uh, uh, Mark from Washington and Mitch sort of watch this go down, where one of the characters goes in and tries worshiping uh, and bowing down <laughs> to this balladry, which which we let our friend play and role play that part. Uh, and the thing is, this guy who went in to worship this Balor demon and the guy who were playing the Balor demon have never gotten along ever. Uh, <laughs> ever. And he, ever. And in he, real life. Ever. And, and what did the guy who played the Balor demon, what did he say about this guy? Uh, well, okay, so basically the guy who was not the Balor demon uh, has recently, we haven't seen him at all, and so we saw the... Ballard Demon player, like, a couple nights ago, and he basically admitted to us, we all knew this, admitted to us that he basically tried to be a jerk to him whenever he, uh, whenever he could. I went out of my way to try and frustrate yeah. him. Pretty and pretty well, we all had a good laugh because we, like, he said it as if it was supposed to be some revelation to us, and we were all like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> like, we didn't know this? Yeah, so, yeah, so never was, got along. It was just funny knowing that these two didn't get along, and here's one of them bowing down and worshipping this guy who could melt him with his thoughts. Uh, and seeing that role play. Well, so. and and to go on from that, what did what did he decide to do as a as the ballad even? Because uh, that was not your decision as DMs. That was his decision. Yeah, I don't remember. He, he decided. Well, he was going to use the spell like ability that basically killed him, like forever, ultimate death, no resurrection. He had this at level five. <laughs> No, remember remember sense. this whole story. This is yeah. not what the DMs wanted, but yeah. um, in the sense we knew he wasn't going to be playing the oh, Balor right. Demon anymore, we were like, "Well, let's you go full Balor Demon." So he had all of the repertoire of a Encounter Twenty Five Balor Demon, Jeez. hoping that like he would go. I respect you as DMs. I'm not here to ruin your game. Yeah. Um, so he decided to use this ability that effectively incinerates both the body and soul of a PC. <laughs> like, you know, negative 90 levels of damage, kind of spell-like <laughs> ability. Um, so, we're not going to kill a player character on the first night of a campaign. That is not a good way to start off your DMing career. Yeah. Um, so what we ended up doing was, we said, instead of this happening, where you cease to exist forever and always... We're just going to have every single bone in your body break. <laughs> All of them. Phalanges, tarsals, metatarsals. It, it was so funny because you guys, you guys were put in such a rock and a hard place uh-huh. as DMs that that was the logical decision for you guys to make at the time. <laughs> Something that you should never do as a DM. But that was really, you guys were just yeah. put in this. You were such, like, in a position that you were like, Flying from the seat of the pants, like, what do I do in this situation? And that seemed like the merciful thing to do. <laughs> and Gosh. and both in in that moment, both those players were to blame because the one wouldn't back off, and the one was trying to do something that was just ridiculous to do to another player. <laughs> I guess so, a, a side and additional note, just for fun, is uh, prison camping happened after Gimdal Azur, right? Yes. So Way uh, after. Uh, so additional side note is the person who came to me wanting to be a nerfed Balor demon was also the same person who DM'd the game where I buried a bunch of stuff outside the house <laughs> and tried getting that past him. So there may have been some... Uh, it may have been an attempt there may have been a bit of escalation. <laughs> <laughs> so that might have been his form of sort of retribution for yeah. that. So uh, essentially one character got turned into pudding for a night. 
Um, <laughs> and I think that's a good transition into a different story. Yes, so that was the tale of the player who wanted to be a Balor Demon. The Tale of the Mouth of Alhoun. Uh, so going along with the Prison Break campaign, there was two other characters, my character once again, and your character, Mark. We buddied up, I guess, in a lot of campaigns. Uh, my <laughs> character was Alhoun, a character that has appeared uh, since the Prison Break campaign in many of my campaigns. He's kind of become uh, one of uh, the chief villains in my world. He was a mind flayer, and we just made all these jokes about a Ballard demon coming into play. A mind flayer, the way it's supposed to be played, should never be allowed to be as a PC. Yeah. Uh, but I basically nerfed this thing down to nothing. In like a trustworthy way of nerfing. And I saw it. I, <laughs> I, moved it. I worked with it <laughs> days, days before. Like, really, this if this, like, stat-wise, this thing was the most weak mind flayer um, in the sense of mind flayer. I was a pretty powerful wizard, but um, yeah, it was... So, <laughs> all that behind us, uh, don't take this as permission to go and make mind flayer characters in your uh, D&D campaigns if you're playing in one. Uh, but I was a mind flayer named Alhoun, who was a wizard, um, and a uh, pretty powerful dude. I had a, I always remembered to keep those fireball spells handy <laughs> so that I could take all the kills. Uh, <laughs> I DM too much, what can I say? Uh, and so, uh, in this, basically in this same moment uh, that there's this Ballard Demon stuff going on, uh, a couple of us are watching this go on with these other characters, and my character decides uh, this character bowing before this Ballard Demon is a moron. <laughs> I am not waiting around for whatever is going to happen to happen, and I run upstairs, and I start... I start barricading the doors. Now, I'm not very strong. That's one of the weaknesses of that character. He's all about uh, mind, uh, <laughs> mind powers and such. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, Mark, your character uh, got to the top of the steps, who was very strong, to help me. And you and me basically left the group behind and started barricading them down in the basement, <laughs> trying to escape. And this is where a friendship happened and started. Uh, but first... Uh, tell us a little about your character, what he was, and uh, Mark, uh, Magic Mark, you can chime in a little bit on this because you know more about the race and stuff and tell just kind of this is something that we've worked into our game, but uh, go for it. Yeah, um, so my character was named Warguts Warbringer, and um, the last part of his name will probably come up later after we talk more, um, but this, um, he's a Yogg from Mass Effect, and basically um, when I was trying to figure out what kind of character I want to play, what kind of race I want it to be. Um, Magic Mark, he and I were kind of talking when I was talking with Jared as well, and he just goes, have you ever played Mass Effect? And no. He's like, oh, you should check out a Yogg. So I googled Yogg. I was like, that looks freaking sweet. And you know, and this is for a prison campaign. Is, you should be Googling it right now. Yeah. And it, yeah. And, and it was cool because you took a, an alien race from Mass Effect, uh, and we, like, I did a Photoshop picture of him, and we basically put him on, like, in armor with, like, a huge, like, axe, and he'd be, like, it became this sweet race with mysterious origins in the D&D mm -hmm. world. But, yeah, continue about War Guts. Yeah, um, and then I, I, um, I made him a Duskblade, which is a really good fighter, but he also has magical abilities, um, 
not as good as a wizard, but they're still there, so he could still, like, rain down fireballs. Um, and I think another thing he had was, like, something with acid. Um, and then, like, a complete darkness spell that he used a couple times. Like, anything in a 45-foot radius would just be enveloped in a darkness that no light could get into. And that was fun in an evil campaign as well. Um, but, yeah, War Guts Warbringer... Um, Man, he was just fun, strong, and that moment of realizing, oh, crap, there's a Balor demon. Let's get the heck out of here before something happens to us. And running upstairs with Alhoon and, like, not even thinking twice about the other four guys in the basement and just shoving, like, bookcases and couches, basically whatever we could find in this room in front of this door and saying, let's get out of here. <laughs> And so we just, we, we did that. We left them behind. <laughs> yeah. they, they got out. They were fine, like, except for the character who had all of his bones melted. <laughs> and was turned to kind of a gelatinous cube without any powers. Uh, but uh, we got, we, like, started to completely escape. We, like, busted out the other door. We started running away. I think basically, did we get in, like, some really bad trouble? We, like, we killed a bunch of guys, but we got in trouble. So we, we eventually met up again with the group. But my character could only speak through telepathy. Um, right. If I tried to make sounds with my mouth, like I made like this weird sound, like that was my <laughs> that was my like sound. Uh, so I uh, started talking to you through telepathy, and I basically dubbed you because my character was super full of himself and, and elitist, <laughs> and uh, your character, once again, was not the smartest guy, and you were cool with... Yep. Uh, I was able to manipulate you, which was funny because, you know, we, uh, we talk about, like, stuff like staying at the table. You and me, in both campaigns, like, ha like I kind of, like, did a manipulation through characters with your character, but, like, you and me would just sit at the table and stare at each other and just laugh because we were like, it's, <laughs> it's just a story, we're having fun, and you, like, right. it, it was enjoyable. It wasn't like a, I'm trying to control your character. It was like a, you have control of your character, do what you will with my jerky character who's trying to manipulate you. But right, I basically right. made you, I, I dubbed you as uh, War Guts the Mouth of Alhoon. So you would speak for me uh, to the rest of the group. Uh, and that was yep. kind of how our friendship got made and um, when we, throughout our campaigns, have seen Alhoon pop up in different spots because he kind of figured out a way to uh, make himself pretty much immortal, uh, he had uh, members of that group, uh, they're like spirits protecting certain uh, temples to him because one character mm -hmm. also decided that he was a god and Alhoon was cool with that, so he just wor was fine with people worshipping him. Um, and Warguts, once again, I think... Uh, a bunch of you guys who played in the Sons of Bastion campaign, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, fought a spirit of war guts. Um, and it was quite fun. I think, didn't he eat one of the characters and, like, they almost died? Like, do you guys remember who it was? <laughs> he, like, completely enveloped them with his mouth because that was something war guts did. And, like, they were floating through black space or something. It was weird. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, so that's the story of Alhoon and. War Guts, the mouth of Alhoon. The tale of the false Igor Stonethropper. So, uh, 
So in my Sons of Bastion campaign, which we've talked about before, uh, you guys had to go into the Dark Bellows, uh, which if you listen to the podcast, you know that it's my Autos's uh, Underdark. And uh, you guys came along to a, a Dwerger city, and basically you had to get through it to get to uh, the place that you guys were going to, which coincidentally has to do with Alhoon. <laughs> but uh, you had to get through that city and sneak through it, but there was no like tunnels around that you could go through. So how were your, what was it, like five characters supposed to sneak yeah, through an entire yeah. Dwerger city? Uh, potions of Transfiguration, of course. Uh, so you each took, uh, you each basically knocked out Dwerger, uh, took their, very Harry Potterish, took their uh, hair, their beard hair, and like put it in and then drank it, and uh, you assumed the form of the Dwerger that you had knocked out and like tied up somewhere so they you'd have plenty of time to get through. Uh, now this came up with a bunch of crazy... Uh, antics that went through the night. We've talked about the Uber <laughs> yeah. Hulk fights on our podcast before. That's not what we're going to talk about right now. Um, uh, Chris, you, your character, who coincidentally did not speak uh, Terran, Undercommon, or Dwarf, no. three things that you know you could have dealt with in a Dwarger city, yep. Yep. Uh, decided to, uh, even though the instructions were not to leave the side of another party member who actually spoke one of the language, you decided to... No, we got called away by oh, another yeah. army general Just guy. more antics, yeah, and yeah. You, you got separated from the group. And so you uh, got separated, and you had some funny things happen to you. Yeah, so we were walking through this city, and I got called away from the group, the guy that I was supposed to stay next to that spoke the Dwarver language, and I ended up I think it was one of the guy that we knocked out the potion that I drank that had his beard hair in it. His wife showed up and was like, uh, apparently his name was Igor Stoker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so her way, she was just pissed that he wasn't home, right? So we just heard this wail, this shriek. Igor Stonethropper. Yeah, and like I didn't know this was my guy's name, and I'm just like, I don't know who that <laughs> is. I just keep walking, and she like came up and like started like pulling me away, like you need to get home like right now, like and like there was this moment when we got back to the house that like she was like trying to talk to me like while she was like making dinner well, and stuff she couldn't like that. understand the right. word. I had no idea what she was saying she was just babbling uh, and I think we went to the the mushroom people's kingdom right before then right yeah I think so yeah. so I had I had taken a sample of some of the spores that would like knock people out <laughs> and so I conveniently had them inside of Chloroform, my... Chloroform, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I took these spores out of... Like, I, I opened the vial that had these spores in there, and I was like, I gotta get out of here. Like, what am I gonna do? And so I dumped them on her head, and she just, like, just, like, stood there. Like, she was just unconscious. I don't know if she fell over or something. Well, actually, I don't even think... I don't think it was something think that made them... They were, like, hallucinating. Yeah, it was, like... Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, So yeah. she just... She went just, like, glazed Bonkers, over her eyes, yeah, yeah. just, like... Just like drooling, and you're like, yeah. I guess I can leave. I guess I gotta get out of here. So we left, and like, I don't, I don't remember if at this time people knew that we were here or something like that, or I think it was like the goblins were starting to attack or something. Yeah. So we all had to like make our way back to the beginning of the city because uh, our our main party member Roland was gonna meet us out there. And all the dwarves that you guys like knocked out were members of the of the military. The military so yeah. the military was being called to the like gate that you guys had to leave through. So yeah. you're like. Perfect timing. Like, yeah. we just have to fight some goblins yeah. and, and we'll some, just sneak away. Yeah, somehow I ended up, like, in an alleyway throughout this whole thing. 
and then all of a sudden she comes back. Like the hallucinogen <laughs> wore off. Stone Dropper! And the worst part was I started getting axes thrown at me. She was like throwing <laughs> hand oh, axes at me. Mess with yeah, yeah, and I don't remember exactly. Do you remember how it ended up in the end? I, I you lost her, I think. Yeah, I think we just, just like lost her. We just landed into the alley you got, and lost like, her. You got really low on HP getting yeah. hit by axes. Yeah, she just kept axes. throwing them. I think she we, was ready to kill you. It was, oh, it was so stinking funny. Just <laughs> like the worst possible thing that happened could have happened. Finding oh. this this guy's like dwerger wife who just gets pissed. Man, uh, the only the only thing that makes you feel good about the actual Igor like returning to his wife is that that marriage was clearly dead from the oh, get go. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You didn't ruin anything there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Your, your wife's throwing axes at you. Yeah, right. I mean, you did like shove drugs in her face. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. Did we? Knock those Droger out, or did no? We... I think we killed them. I'm pretty sure. Oh, we I'm pretty sure we well, killed them. <laughs> that marriage was yeah. dead from the get go either way. Those are the quote unquote last like moments of Igor Stone Thrower. Yeah. Uh, oh god. Drugging his wife and then getting access. <laughs> I feel like um, they I'm probably like human. they probably like honored his him thinking he died in the Goblin battle yeah, as yeah. much as a Dwerger would be honored. I feel like honored. I feel like there was there was like she a was Judge like, Judy in your world. Like they would end up on there. <laughs> Dwerger Judge Judy. <laughs> oh man. Oh. So uh, that was the story of the false Igor Stone Thrower. The story of that age-old question. Uh, so going back to like the first, I think it was the first time that I had actually decided to DM a uh, campaign with you guys, uh, and a real life campaign, because I had done like a tryout couple things, but the first day of a real campaign starting up, how those Cheetos, Mark? Goldfish. Goldfish. <laughs> They're good. <laughs> Don't, we're just making a podcast here. <laughs> Leave this all in. Uh, so, one of the first days um, that we uh, were playing, uh, when you get a bunch of friends together and you're playing D&D, tomfoolery seems to happen quite a bit. And this day, uh, we've talked about Raxus before, the character yep. with multiple personalities. Yep. Um, why don't you tell us kind of uh, this this story of the age-old question. Well, to begin this story, this was actually our very first session. Yeah. This was... Um, I need to give a little bit of background as to why Raxus had multiple personality disorder and why I, as a player, designed him to be the way he was. I was one of those people who was like, I'm not playing D&D. That's for losers. I'm too cool for D&D. Even though all of my friends play D&D. And, and now, Mark, how long do you spend making a character? Oh, I'm 17 hours? I am all in. No, part of the Keep reason going. was was because I recognized that I have a highly obsessive personality, and if I went off that slippery slope, I would be the guy who spent 17 hours Drowning making a character. Drowning in it, yeah. So now I'm sitting here recording a podcast with all you guys. So something happened right uh, you're welcome. Yeah. You're... But to get me into D&D, uh, Mitch and another friend decided to give me a list of D&D achievements, because I'm a pretty hardcore gamer and Xbox Live achievement person. And I was like, okay, I only want to do this with one character, so i got to get all the good achievements and all the evil achievements. So how do I do this? <laughs> Terrible ideas, DM, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> to get all the good and evil achievements. <laughs> so... 
I ended up creating a character with multiple personality disorder, and each personality had a different alignment. One of those achievements, this was not written by Mitch, this was written by the other guy, um, <laughs> was harvest the testicles of ten different creatures. That's how it happened. That is, that is how and that is why. So, um, we actually think this was almost like our very first encounter. Um, I think it was one of the very first ones. Yeah, yeah. and so I had flipped into my evil personality, who happened to be like a melee brawler, like a monk without the religion kind of character, and we kill a flesh raker. And after Which the is encounter, basically a velociraptor. Basically a velociraptor. And I go, I'm going to do a survival check to harvest the testicles of this <laughs> flesh raker. You probably didn't say it as calmly as that. No, no I don't think he did. <laughs> And so what ends up happening is we have this moment where we, my character cuts into this creature, and before we could answer anything, we had to wonder, did raptors have testicles? <laughs> Which started this, like, whole debate we at the like table. Like, not, like, even joking. It was like, like, it was like no. we're all, like, breaking into, like, scientists like, and, like, biologists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so what ended up happening was, I think... At that at that moment we concluded no was the ultimate answer, but I was in the camp that it was like, absolutely yes. I don't think this male and female has testicles. It's like a plant, and so I ended up being like fixated. You know how we talked about this whole I have fixated on testicles. Um, so I ended up like went to bed sleeping and dreaming about testicles. Specifically <laughs> raptor testicles. Uh, this is the worst podcast we've ever done. <laughs> so, I'm like, I'm like googling like, do raptors have testicles and nothing's like answering my question as clear cut as I wanted it to be because it's like they have a testicle equivalent but it's not called a testicle the gonads or whatever I just want to stop you there because I don't think the scientific name is the gonads I'm pretty sure that actually is a thing yeah that's that's, that's, that's the anatomical denotation of that uh, age old question where we're still debating it Two years later. So anyway, <laughs> what I came to find was that um, dinosaurs, as far as we know, have some sort of, not called a testicle, but male reproductive organs that produce <laughs> sperm and blah, blah, blah. Essentially, testicles. Um, I feel like people now, like... That are listening to this podcast are going to email and tell us yes they do have testicles or no. <laughs> Some, we're going to get so many somebody like, Twitter comments. comments just comment and they're going to be on both sides. You know, yeah. you're going to get people saying you guys are idiots for this. And it's like, no, you're saying you're, you're idiots because you think they don't. Of course they do. This is now time for us to I, have a forum. Uh, excuse on the me, Dungeon page. Masters Block. I am a raptor. <laughs> I do. <laughs> uh, okay, there's going to be like 40 memes by this in a few weeks. Right. It's going to be the philosopher. Do I have? <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, so basically, after 30 minutes, and I don't even think we're exaggerating there. No, uh, we, I basically like there was like a lull of like sound, a lull of talk. I just kind of nodded and I was like, 
You successfully harvest the testicles. I think you said that I, have, that I had four, too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think we fought more than one. I think that yeah, yeah, this time we did realize what one. these things were. All of a sudden, not only do they have testicles, but they have, like, they have four. So, the best part of this was my character has multiple personality disorder, but I have one backpack. <laughs> so in my inventory I have like written down like four testicles and like yeah. ceramic rabbit and the, my character I had the weirdest inventory yeah. shit ever and I had to actually like denote like who took what so I remembered like when I reached into my bag like am I confused when I pull this out and eventually I think we were looking for like grapes or something and it was dark like at night or something and, one, and my character actually ended up Eating, oh, I forgot about that. And, oh and sharing them. No, I don't, why don't I remember this? I blocked it out. Repressed memory. <laughs> so yeah, but these testicles came into play multiple, multiple times, and especially because what the achievement you just threw was a couple of them out. Too, like, yeah. like, where the hell are these getting? Yeah. The, heck are these? <laughs> the, uh, the achievement was to I don't play hacky sack anymore. Types of animals. So I did this many times. I I avoided like sentient and sapient creatures. Thank goodness. So like I never harvested goblin testicles because that would just have been weird. Um, <laughs> We'd be googling whether goblins have <laughs> testicles or not. Well, I could tell you that. Much. <laughs> well, um, stop this more than an eye. So yeah, but that is the story of the philosophical question or whatever. That age-old question. <laughs> The story of Bishop Jophiel the Versifier's Thespian Adventures. Going along with the same campaign, only much later, close to the end of where we ended this campaign off, uh, we had gone through many, many adventures. And we've talked about Jophiel before on the show. Jared, your character, uh, we talked about him a lot, uh, specifically on the Flaws episode, um, because he was a pacifist. But he was more than just a pacifist. Uh, he was also an artist. He was a, uh, a a poet, and one of the best things ever, one of the greatest, uh, whether or not this is entertaining to you guys as listeners, this was one of my fondest memories of playing Dungeons & Dragons. Joseph Bishop, sorry, Bishop, I saw the look. Uh, Bishop Jophiel the Versifier one night became a famous playwright. So we had uh, gotten towards the end of this really campaign, and, and basically the characters had saved the kingdom from these people who were pretending to be the king and, and whatnot. Uh, and so I decided, or somebody decided, that Joe Field should write a play, uh, considering my character basically wrote everything down. Yeah, Magic Mark uh, had the idea of doing that. Uh, and so I remember, okay, I had to write this play, and I remember I spent hours. So, like, Magic Mark here spends hours putting his character together. I spent, like, hours and hours and hours writing a script for this play. Uh, and it ended up definitely being worth uh, the effort. So the play was about uh, these lords of Orenthal saving the kingdom. Um, Which were our players' character, the player character. Yeah. yeah. They became lords of Orenthal, this city. Which Goblin King Stop was the king of, yeah. <laughs> quote-unquote. Stop, <laughs> Goblin King of Orenthal. Yeah. He was king of all of the goblins of Orenthal. Which was, <laughs> which was him. him. Three or four of the, uh, and disclaimer, if you haven't really listened to the podcast, you forget 
he wasn't really the king. That was what these guys told him. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, so uh, continue. Yeah, so I think I remember one of the first things that had to be done on the night we actually played out this play, I think it was that night, is uh, casting uh, people to play these roles of the adventurers at the table. And so Mitch had a bunch of people, uh, characters that he had sort of made up, uh, and I got to sit through like a casting auditions. call, auditions, uh, for these plays. And so that was a lot of fun. Each character had like either like a flaw that you guys had to figure out, or they were just like amazing at something, and I like I'd roll and not show you the result, and I would tell you how good they did with certain things. And each character that like even if they didn't have a, some characters were like, like there would be a character that was so good at comedy, but awful at like anything else. Like, and there would be mm-hmm. a character that was like amazing, like at, uh, what do you call it when you're speaking, like oratory? Yeah. yeah. Uh, a character who was amazing at oratory, but he really wasn't a good actor. Uh, there was a character that was just phenomenal at acting, but he was a bit of a douchebag. <laughs> like, like, and by a bit, I mean that he was a huge douchebag. And that, by the way, was one of the guys you hired. Oh, yeah. 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 He, was he, was, he was good, man. Yeah. But we also had player characters. <laughs> right. Auditions yes. to play either themselves or different characters. Did anybody want to play themselves? I don't think anybody I don't did. remember. I don't recall if anybody wanted you to play You want to play, like, different people in the party? Like, <laughs> it was kind of this moment where in-game... I think that Balfour's game, wanted the... to play himself, but I think that yeah. I made Balfour's play something else because yeah. I wanted Balfour's to play something else. I think it was this in-game moment of this be a great way to just laugh and kind of troll other people. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think it'd be a good time, speaking of that, for Magic Mark to really talk about his experience as, oh as multiple personality disorder Raxus. Balfour's was a huge part of this, too. Play, yeah. Playing the role of Paladin Balfour's. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, if you'd like to share about that one. Yeah. And so, Balfour's, Balfour's wanted to make sure that he did it justice, too. <laughs> so, the three personalities I have were chaotic, good, uh, true neutral, and more of like a neutral evil were the three personalities. And the chaotic good Raxus, um, he was a half-elf, and it was basically one personality thought he was a full elf, the other personality knew he was a half-elf, and the other personality thought he was full human. <laughs> so the good Raxus believed himself to be a full elf, and he was, like, floofy and aloof, and just to the extreme of just, like, la da 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 the ceramic bunny came from good Raxus. And so part of this was that he decided he was going to audition for Jofiel's play because he was very excited about it and also used all of my character's money to help fund the play, which turned out to be very beneficial (laughs) in the long run. However, it was very uh, painful to the other... The the neutral character was very money-oriented, and when he found out that his coin purse was completely empty... The next day, when he woke up, and was like, "What the crap?" Oh, and he was in a different personality. Yeah, <laughs> all his money was gone. Uh, so, <clears throat> the big thing is that the the character decided he was going to play Balfris, and but I have multiple personality disorder, and the way it worked was. Uh, Mitch had a whistle, and he would just blow it at random, and I would have to roll a d4, and whatever that d4 said, the personality would change. And so, Good Raxus was very motivated and really, really wanted to be in this play. However, he had to ensure that his personality was the one that was performing. So he ended up actually, I think, working with Balfris, mm-hmm. be it on purpose or on accident. <laughs> oh, uh, I don't recall anymore, but 
whenever the wrong personality for this situation was up, when Belfast's favorite personality was Good Rex. Yeah. Because he's a paladin, and he would he would choose chaotic good over anything not good. Yeah, good Raxus was not that far off from and, Billy. Even neutral even neutral and and Belfers got along pretty well. They didn't like they didn't they weren't crazy about each other, but I mean, it was fun. Yeah, Belfers was not around towards the end of the campaign. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> yeah, neutral Raxus got a little turned for the worse. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway. So what happened was Balfour's would stand by me with a stick, and every time he would sense evil, because we had our understandings of detect evil was a little bit askew yeah. as well. So whenever my personality flipped to evil, he would just thwack me. <laughs> <laughs> and then if I would say something like, what the crap, man, and turn more into a, a neutral type character, he would thwack me again. And I was like, hi, <laughs> Which sometimes what the rolling took about thirteen times, yeah. <laughs> and you'd, be, you'd have like a big lump yeah. on your head. So I ended up doing playing, earning the part, earning the part. Yes, uh, Balfris the Bofo in Joe Field of Versifiers, Thespian Adventure of the Great Coat Guardian saving Orenthal. I don't know how big and long the title of the play was, but I'm just gonna keep going on with it. So I ended up playing this character, and right before the play, I think I went like full evil, and I you ended up having to thwack me for like a good. We actually <laughs> did it in rounds, so every six seconds uh-huh. you had to thwack me. And what happened was I got finally got to the right personality, but because of how the dice rolled, it took like forty, fifty seconds of just like thunk, <laughs> and so I ended up having to role play of like. I am Belfris and be like kind of wobbly like I'm gonna hit the head like 30 times and you're like wobbly but then you stage. rolled really well yeah. before you but did I really well but I on the perform check <laughs> so it worked out somehow so yeah but I ended up playing Balfour's the Bofo and it was quite the experience I remember do you remember who the the really good actor who uh, was the douchebag did he play Zerus? Yeah, I think he did, I think right? So, so he yeah. played this really sketchy player character that this, we had. This was at a point in the campaign where my character, Jofiel, and I considered myself like friend to the whole group and trying to keep the group together. Uh, Zaris was really getting on my nerve as a character. <laughs> and even Zaris used this opportunity. Um, like he, <laughs> he didn't want to be part of the play. <laughs> he didn't give any money to the play, but he bought tickets. Gave them to rich people, and then while the rich people were at the play, robbed them. Uh, that's, that was his character. It was brilliant. It was so much fun. Uh, he had to sit through hours of us role playing the play while he got to rob a couple of houses. But so yeah, so I mean, sort of his loss for not having fun playing, but I think he had fun in his own way. Yeah. Anyway, I remember, I don't know if it was the actor or a bard or something I hired. It was the actor. Oh, but yeah, the bard too. But so, let's talk about the actor first. So the, the actor was playing the role of Zaris, and he did a really good job. He Ma- he went off script quite a bit. Yeah. But he did it well. Making <laughs> Zaris just a villain and seem terrible, which was... Well, Joe wrote the play... From his point of view, more evil. Yeah. right? But it was totally askew at the play. Yeah. It's like Joe Feel has uh, like the noble. The, the thing is, Joe Feel had the privilege of because I had some work conflicts as a as a player. I wasn't able to make it for the whole ending this campaign or like saving the city. So Joe Feel really just made a bunch of stuff up because Jared, <laughs> who wrote it, didn't really know exactly what happened. So I had some artistic license there. And so not only was there that actor who over embellished this role which you were more than fine with but you had made friends with a a bard along the way 
Um, Pan. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Caleb's Balfour's character, Balfour's. I had caught what Shamgar, right? Yeah, Isn't it? yeah Shamgar the Bard, Bard. So you then I kind of did this like hookup with uh, Shamgar. Yeah. Meet Joe Feel. Joe Feel's putting on a play. Uh, you can play songs beforehand. Um, and, and, so, I, and I had actually asked him to write a song like right, for songs me about before that too. Yeah. yeah. And so Shamgar got to get up brave, on stage brave, before. Sir Balfour's get yeah. forth from Canada. Well, there, he wrote this. He wrote this ballad and. Um, like I'll just toot my own horn here because the ballads for both were awesome. I do not remember them. Unfortunately, they're probably lost forever on a hard drive that will never be saved. Um, but there was this, this uh, beautiful, like storytelling, uh, like song about Balfour's the Bofo, uh, champion of Heronius, and all the good deeds he did and the evil that he slayed. Um, and so he went up on stage and he shared that. Then. He had also been told a lot about Zerus as well by Balfour's. Because Balfour's like hated Zerus. Like Jovial hated Zerus. <laughs> and so he got an over-embellished story. Perhaps not over-embellished, but he over-embellished it in the, in the song he wrote about Zerus. Who basically there was parts of the songs that said he'd sell his own mother for like a few pieces of gold. And, <laughs> and it was... Oh, like, glorious moment. Made the Shamgar guy out to be, like, a famous musician afterwards, but... Did he did he end up sharing the poem that Joe Fiel wrote about the, the testicle situation? I I'm not sure. I don't think so. It's been a while, yeah, Joe Fiel wrote a poem about the testicle snatching, but, uh, we don't, we don't get into that. <laughs> uh, I remember that the, the player who played, uh, Raxus was the one actor who was so good at comedy. Not a great actor, but so good at comedy. And it was like it, slapstick comedy. It was too. slapstick so and immature. Like, ah, <laughs> yeah, it was farting and hitting himself and things yeah. like that. But the people loved it. Yeah. I um, remember being a little miffed. But... <laughs> uh, you weren't casting. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the funniest thing is your character couldn't be that miffed because he'd just be like, who's playing? He'd be the good Raxus and he'd be like, that guy's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, Balfour's, who did, or not Balfour's, Caleb, who did Balfour's play? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember for sure. I think he might have played the king. Yeah. Mostly the king. No, was, the king was played was, by the guy who was really good at the oratory. Okay, maybe, I played the by, maybe, maybe I played Joseph like then? The, maybe. Did maybe you play Joseph? No. You played, a, like, the chief, the captain of the guard guy, Ronan the Red or whatever. Oh. Yeah, I maybe that, I did. I think Balfour's actually might have had two roles or something like that. Yeah, but he might have all I really, all I remember about, about Balfour's role in the thing is that I rolled, like, a kind of a medium bad role for my performance check, and so like, like, so as I was, like, I was looking at the script and reading it as we were acting it out, and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna skip that line there, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna stumble here, and I was like reading it, but I was like stumbling as I was reading it, like, like I couldn't read it. It was, we were just like, it was perfect. <laughs> um, anything else that anybody wants to say about the play? I just. Uh... Yeah, and an audacious amount of money. Yeah, wasn't there yeah, something yeah. with the oh, money? Yeah, something have to that. talk about the money. That's you, true. You remember a little bit better so, than I do. Okay, so, so first of all, I'll state this. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, there have been moments, and uh, just being honest as a DM, uh, there have been moments where I have not fully trusted players in their math skills uh, with certain things, whatever it is. Um, and I've learned from that. Uh, so, but uh, Jared, uh, we've been really good friends for a while, and I was like, Jared, you never play a character who's money greedy. Like, why don't like I don't need the extra work. Why don't you figure out like what the tickets would have to be to kind of make a profit? Here's the amount of seats. Like, you might not fill them all. I kind of figure it out. Uh, 
<laughs> I don't freaking know if you actually did the math wrong. <laughs> what happened? But it, you made freaking bank. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there might have been a math error or a communication error. Oh, I'm error sure. <laughs> well, part of it was we originally were going to do one showing. And there was And two. we ended up doing... Yeah, I think we, oh, really? we yeah. did a whole weekend and had like a matinee gotcha. and they sold out every show because <laughs> we did a great job doing like the all the like gather, yeah. reverse gather information yep. basically and with uh, Zaris going around and basically giving tickets away to all the rich people in town like every single showing was just booked solid so we made the, the maximum potential money and with the few maybe potential missing a zeros. couple extra zeros out of <laughs> yeah. uh, the couple. <laughs> for the first time ever Joe Feel had some material gain some yeah for the first time ever I had some that some happened to be a lot <laughs> it was a large sum <laughs> this, was, this was during a time when we had a trophy for whoever had the most gold at the end of oh the that's yeah. right yeah so oh, there was yeah. like a competition between players to see who could like bad idea. so it wasn't a mistake it wasn't a mistake I didn't care about the gold like, <laughs> like I had enough gold and like my character or like it's all the poverty and, and being humble so I was going to use that gold to start my church and that was honestly yeah. when when because I remember the way you revealed it was just being like, oh yeah, I have this much money, and I just had this moment of like jaw dropping, like what? It was like, <laughs> like it was like a hundred and eighty thousand. It gold. was ridiculous. <laughs> oh. Like it was ridiculous. And we were what, like what, level seven or eight at this time. Yeah. It, and uh, oh yeah. my god, for one it's character nice. to like have, and he just like started like. People had in, like you guys had invested in the player, and he's like, "Here's your little what, share back." Or what, <laughs> what happened was it was time to give out the who has the most gold trophy, and Zaris and uh, Raxus had been we had been going back and forth, and yeah. Raxus was convinced after he got because remember he contributed to this place, so I, he got a big I paid chunk, life like life savings on yeah, these characters, right. <laughs> and so he was convinced that he finally beat out Zaris, who stole from everybody and kept everything for himself. <laughs> Finally convinced, and I think Mitch asked, like, anybody have more than, than Raxus? And I said, yeah, well, I, I do. <laughs> we I tried to stay discreet. We actually wrote down numbers right. and handed yeah, yeah, yeah. And because I was, there was a lot of I remember sitting on. at the table with, like, my arms folded, like, yeah, I'm winning tonight. Because <laughs> I had, like, 45,000 gold at the time, and I was like, I knew exactly how much Zeras had. So my, my item creation character, like, like the item creation characters I'm doing right now, I'm just like, that much gold, I could make some <laughs> nice freaking zest. Yeah, right. And, and, it would take you like 19 years. And, yeah. No, I wouldn't even. No, I'm, I'm talking about like like for my for my. You freaking buy. You don't need to work on it. I could I could make these things. You could hire people who crack things and just go make crap. But like like exactly, and that is a DM. There was this moment of just like, no, definitely not. Like this is not what we had talked about. And then I realized that this was Jared, and I realized that Jared was going to turn. 90% of this money into I want to build a church for Lear and I was immediately okay with it <laughs> and that is what he did with his money and later on in another campaign many many years into the future in this world we found that Temple Lear. Now given by that time the whole island was destroyed by dragon fire but we saw it yeah. <laughs> So it was a beautiful temple it was, still. we I saw half it. of the we saw half of a painting of Jovio yeah. burned to a crisp. And like, uh, but yeah. oh, that's right, we did, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. And and we we made the second most amount of money, deposited it in the bank, and set up a password, 
and then only remembered it one third. So. Oh yeah, that was great. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and and we ended up tra- sailing like to the, a different continent. And yeah. every time we were in town, the wrong personality <laughs> was Blowing the whistle. in the bank. So I never was able to take the money out of the bank. <laughs> <laughs> That that uh that pretty much concludes I think right the story yeah. of uh Joe Bishop Jofield the Versifier's theatric adventures. The tale of the Dama deception. So, uh, once again, same campaign. Uh, later on in the campaign, different, uh, very different story. Uh, Jared, this is one of, honestly, this is one of my proudest moments as DM. This is one of your proudest moments as player. This is something I, I real, I, I'm sure it's been done by somebody before, uh, but I've never heard of it ever being done before. Basically, uh, your why could why wouldn't you weren't you playing Jofiel at the time? Do you remember? Is he in prison? Because it was the Jofiel campaign. Yeah, it was, this was the Jofiel campaign, and I think I, I honestly got to a point where I struggled playing Jofiel because of the passive the pacifism flaw and, um, and, and that being said, it was like after months of play, right? And when we were playing twelve hour sessions, yes, yeah. <laughs> long college days, Saturdays. Just so so a little bit of me was tired. I just wanted a break, just for a little bit, and I realized. That was excuse me. That was partially a mistake because I shouldn't have given up on Joe Feel, but a lot of good I think came out of it. Uh, and so I was a little bit tired of that, and I, I asked Mitch if I could make another character, and I don't know how the conversation came up. I think that you did. You want to play an evil character? Is that something you asked me? I th- yeah. I think I was interested in playing an evil character, uh, the sort of character that's not necessarily super evil yeah. and obvious about it. Um, and so, at the very same time, I was trying to think of some kind of NPC uh, that would end up befriending the group and betraying the group. And there was this kind of like light bulb moment, and I remember coming to you and just being like, um, "Light bulb, <laughs> light bulb." There was this light bulb moment where I just realized, like, wait a second. And I came to you, and I was like, Jared, you can keep a secret. You can do this well. Um, your character that you're just going to play, you kind of just want to play him for a while and then return to Jofiel, um, you're going to betray the group. You're going to infiltrate it, and you're going to betray it. You, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know if people are going to suspect it. And Magic Mark suspected it quite a long time. But uh, he says he did. I don't know if I. I don't know. If <laughs> I, I think there was there was definitely some suspicion. I could tell there was a lot um, of sketchiness. I couldn't yeah. put my finger. It out wasn't of what was wrong. He he. There's no way anybody knew what we were we were doing together. But Mark, I think, suspected that your player, your character, was evil. Yeah. Um, I knew there was more to you than what you were letting on. But that being said, there were other evil characters in the group. And they weren't going to betray the characters through story with DM. So that was not something anybody was going to be um, focused on. And so there was basically your guys had already made an enemy of the god Yenogu, which was uh, the god, which is the god of the Knolls. And uh, you had angered this god. And um, you want to talk about Dama a little bit and kind of how that went down with um, basically you came to them as a already established adventuring group, the Great Cloak Guardians, and you pretty much got hired in. You Said, here's my skills, and blah, blah, I got hired in, and tell us a little bit about Dama. 
Yeah, basically, Damon was a uh, a gray elf uh, wizard, beguiler uh, mix of classes, uh, and he became part of this group. I don't know exactly how that happened, but you know, when a player sits out on the table, people just kind of make it work and aren't mm -hmm. too concerned with it. Uh, so I'm playing with it, and we eventually are are set on this quest to go into this dungeon um, that I think we knew was null based, you know, group based, and to just clear it out or, or do whatever. And so. Uh, I kind of just explored with the group uh, and did it and, and tried to kill some some gnolls as I could uh, and really just sat in the background for a while um, watching <laughs> watching different people in the party attack each other and things and but whatever so it, it was a lot of fun to do that uh, Mitch gave me permission to uh, make him a little bit better or stronger because this was supposed to be like a, a main villain that was going to be with the story for a while uh, so it was very high level, but trying to play it off as lower level, using lower level spells and whatnot. I don't know if I actually cast very many spells. Um, you did at a certain you, point. You once cast it was revealed, spells but... in, <laughs> in front of us. Yes. Well, and also like you were partially wizard, partially beguiler, so you could you can't, the spells you had access to were somewhat reasonable in that regard. Right. Class. Right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was that, and just exploring this dungeon, and eventually we found a portal yeah, to a doorway. Uh, to this plane that Yunogu is on. And yeah, I don't know what plane it was. It was uh, basically in my world. There's uh, and there's the abyss, which where all the evil gods uh, reside. And there's levels of the abyss, and so it doesn't matter about the levels and stuff. If you got to the abyss, um, you're walking around this clearly different place, and you see like the army of Yunogu, like, and you know they're like going to march on the material world of Atos and you guys was it you who pointed out there was like a, a tunnel like in the cliff and said come on this way let's go this way let's try and sneak up and see if we can yeah, see we more we're trying to like sneak around them yeah uh, Damo was like let's go this way this yeah. way guys so, I, so my character finds uh, I believe it was my character finds this little tunnel way and, and so we're going through this and it's this really tight passage that sort of opened up into um Sort of like a little sort of roundish area, flat area with some cliffs. Surrounded by rocks, yeah. Like, rocks and cliffs. And you guys are like dead end. Like, what's? why would we go this way? And so uh, the group the group walks into this a little bit, and there's some knolls there. Uh, they come down from on top of the cliffs. They knew you were coming somehow. Right. Like, what's going on? The group's... Basically, everybody, every all the players in the group are like, what happened? Who tipped these guys off? Um... And so Dama walks uh, towards the knolls, sort of ahead of all initiative or anything, uh, and just places his hands out and has the knolls walk up to him and, and put this cape around him and put these magic rings on him. And basically that's when I turn around and reveal myself as sort of a betrayer and trapper of uh, these great cloak guardians. <laughs> which, which started this battle, which we'll talk about in a second. <laughs> but first, let's talk about one of the most awkward moments <laughs> of a D&D game we've ever experienced. So as, so, as a DM, yeah, how do you do this? How do you do this? And then I, I pulled up this stool and I said, Jared, come take your rightful place beside me, the DM, and you walk around the side of this table. Uh, you sit down. And I remember we talked about it afterwards, and we said <laughs> we have never felt hated as much in our life. 
Like both of us, <laughs> we the death. Dude, you didn't have to walk over that stool, gloating like a little peacock. Oh, and he he did, he did. It was this <laughs> moment that we had built up like for the longest time. We were waiting for the reveal, but like the death glares we got from almost everybody. I wasn't there, so <laughs> was like piercing to the bone. And like, admittedly, a lot of you guys admitted, like in that moment, you were mad. Like <laughs> you were just mad. Um, so yeah, like. So, uh, have gloating like a peacock or whatever, <laughs> and taking my place at this high sitting stool where I can overlook the whole table next to the DM where nobody ever gets to sit, uh, was a proud moment for me. But it was completely destroyed by those glares and how it was scary. It really it was. was when you have like seven of your friends looking at you, and we like were like we were proud in the moment of like, like we did good, we did a great job, like this is a great story hook, and but we thought we were like. They're not going to talk to us for like four weeks. <laughs> and so we we're I was sort of faced with a decision, and, and maybe Mitch too, of, okay, we can just sort of end this now somehow, or we can just keep going. And so we kept going. Oh, and you didn't <laughs> let up. <laughs> so, battle begins, right? Um, we started a battle. Now, who was, who was actually in this battle? Magic Mark and Mark, right? You were in this too? He showed I, up late. I didn't show up until halfway through the battle. Oh, yeah. You showed up. You got in, you sit down, and you're like, why is Jared on the other side of the table? <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, he's a filthy betrayer. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, yeah, all of the hate speech got spewed. It, it was Dama's goal as a villain to piss off every single person in the group in a very unique way. Even even Jofiel, even though I played both characters, Jofiel wasn't there fighting, but Dama had destroyed the ha- the home and Jofiel's paintings. And so we're in the middle of this and battle. Killed his pig too, and yeah, he and yeah. killed his pigs, killed, man. Yeah, Dama killed Jofiel's pigs. But that wasn't pigs. until later. It wasn't um, until later, but right. But so he did stuff to mess with Jofiel. So uh, just to make that clear, um, <laughs> I don't remember what I did to everybody. Um, I know. Well, we had um, we had a. I'm sure that I'm sure these the two guys remember what you did. I remember. Oh, yeah. oh, I was so, so pissed. I'll, I'll, I'll let these I remember. Share. Well, let's before we really focus on them. I was so we had a centaur in the group, mm-hmm. who you decided to chase after, jump on top of, and ride like a lowly horse. Right. He quote unquote loved that. <laughs> we had a druid in the group that decided uh, they had a, he had a tree token. He threw it down. He decided to uh, create make this. Tr- tree start like attacking the enemies you decided to use fire to burn the tree <laughs> like the druid's tree is burning that's also that's pretty now it's Zaris, the typhling in the group this was my favorite oh, gosh, one worst thing with, ever with the this pow- was the moment where I thought that we were going to get like literally punched in the face I thought my friendship with this player was but, over <laughs> Um, after I did this. So he plays a Tifling, and and I know from maybe reading a sheet or being told by him that he played his character with uh, his Tifling, loving his tail. His tail was the most important thing to him. Oh. And so Dama, being able to turn invisible, went up to him, cut the tail off of this Tifling, and began... Didn't stop there. <laughs> and began to wear it, and still does wear it, as a scarf. What? Uh, so that was, I he I thought he was gonna punch you. I like I I feel like at that moment I like gave you a look like Jared. They already want to kill us. What are you doing? Oh my you gosh. did not know when to stop. And like days later, everybody admitted to like they were like that was awesome, that was great. But in that moment, my gosh, he wanted to kill you. What did he do to your guys' characters? We got Raxus. What did he do to Raxus? Do you remember? Well, I was I was neutral Raxus. Oh gosh, I don't know what he did. And to he you. just started worshiping a the god of darkness. 
Erebus, yeah, we'll talk yeah. about him later in an um, episode. But. And so my guy was all about the dark. He was You would go around and put out torches, basically. Yeah, because that was the torches. holy way of like you yeah. worshipping him. I had a mask of dark vision, like all this stuff that was just like, I don't like the light anymore. It wasn't necessarily like evil, it was just I don't like light. And so he ended up coming behind me and just casting light on me. So I glowed for light. <laughs> and his caster level was fairly astronomical. So for like 14 hours straight, I was just like... <laughs> and you just started freaking. And right? I, was just, I was... I just remember being like... The character was livid. I was one of the people who I think... I was the most upset at the table for the <laughs> fact that I lived with both of you at the time. Oh, and you guys had managed to keep this roll <laughs> over my eyes for however stinking long and, it was. And the fact that you were probably the one guy, honestly, that was at the table going... What's going on here? <laughs> like yeah. you were the and most I was suspicious. the only one, the most like I was the most suspicious of like, there's got to be more to this Dama thing than just Jared was bored with Jofiel. I feel like that. I felt like that would be something that would be like, well, we could talk about it, but <laughs> Jofiel would either be done and dead, and then we would move on to a new character, or you would have to stick with Jofiel because. You can't just change player characters. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so I, there was part of me that was suspicious of that, and then there was some wonky things going on in the sessions stuff with Damo that I was suspicious of. So there was that part of me that I couldn't put my finger on what was wrong, but I knew there was something off. And there was like one session where we ended up fighting. They looked like gnolls, but they were people, and the gnolls were like, no, stop, kind of stuff. And it ended up being like a curse of Yunogu. And, yeah. and that was when most Dama was most confident slaying the gnolls. <laughs> there was a couple of moments where I was like, I knew something was amiss, but I couldn't quite figure it out. Um, but yeah, I got light cast upon me. Which doesn't sound bad, but for your character, yeah, man, that was like yeah. the Zerus and the tail of the Typhling. Riding the horse, uh, riding the, sh uh, the, the centaur as a horse, burning the tree of the druid, lighting, casting light on the guy who worshipped darkness. Uh, both Dama and Jared <laughs> did their very best to get at the core of what would mess up the character. What happened to Falco, do you remember? Falco well, Bilbo, who was a halfling, your halfling. Halfling, or the ranger halfling. Well, he had finally reached the point where he could get an animal companion. And this animal companion was the monkey babu that had been passed down in his family. Um, and on this particular outing, Falco left babu at the house, whom he had just spent a ton of money buying... <laughs> This tree house that he had put in the tree that had magically appeared in his bedroom. Um, he had just bought him yep. two swords that looked like banana scimitars and yeah. banana <laughs> banana leather armor. Banana like leather literally, armor. but literally the session before this one. It wasn't until we got back to the house, or I believe it was both Babu and the war dog Maximus that Falco had bought. He found Babu, I believe, beheaded. Yeah. Out in the yard, and Maximus was out with the pigs, I think, quartered. Wow. Man, I didn't even remember that. That's crazy. And so... Dama went and slew an entire... The entire Grey Hulk... Great... Great Hulk... Great Hulk... Great Hulk, <laughs> like, manners, like, 
Uh, everybody who works except for, there, except for the except for the main guy, like the main guy, he left alive. Did he? Like, mm-hmm. And then that dude and quit because of the trauma. Yeah. And then there was also yeah, rightfully uh, so. Yeah, and then Stop survived, thankfully. But there Stop, was that moment. Stop got one of Dama's fingers uh, uh, that he now wears as a necklace, right? Yeah. Was oh, yeah, yeah, I heard that necklace. story. Yeah. And then <laughs> back at the house, it killed the other goblin. Or so did he have two uh, fingers then? And did he have two fingers from his neck? Stop bit off Balfour's finger. Yeah, Stop had a finger collection him. after a while. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, Dama, man. You were, so, you, those, you, was with us. me allowing your ideas and helping you, we were, we were pretty merciful. We, we were merciful and stuff, but we wanted to hit it home. Now, that being said, for those players who were part of that, mad at the time... Like maybe it was it was kind of I don't know what looking back on it how was it <laughs> to this date Dama Dwinitrin is the most disgusted antagonist <laughs> I I want to go back to that campaign sometimes just to play my character stabbing him in the face repeatedly <laughs> Zerus will now kill any gray elf on set yep. oh yeah yep. that was yeah. Yeah. Zerus became a change. genocidal yep. maniac yep um yeah. Well, Raxus, neutral Raxus went from like neutral, neutral with some good tendencies to more neutral evil with a desire to like, you know, basically bring ultimate darkness to the world because <laughs> he was just like, I need to undo this light um, kind of stuff. And yeah, I think Dama was the only thing that unified the three personalities. <laughs> just, yeah, I hate that guy. He did. He did and unify so, the group. Yeah, that's I for think sure. the, the group and your personalities are all unified. Uh, Joe Feel even is part of it. Like everybody wants Dama dead, even the pacifists. Absolutely, even the pacifists, yeah. who pacifists doesn't well, want to do it. But right. and so when, yeah, oh go ahead, Mark. When we went to um, Azan Kazad, I I created a new character because Falco wanted to stay behind and search for Dama. Mm. That was his one thing, so that's why he didn't go on to his on Kazad was he was so upset he kind of made it his life mission to find and murder yeah. Dama. Oh, and like talking about the going from play to Dama, it was the night of the triumphal play that, that ended house. that Dama did all that yeah, stuff to we your manner. You guys came home happy as a clam to find the most destructive thing in your wake. And that's also where we ended I think before Christmas break. So that was like yeah. it was like Bye bye. Uh, season fun. cliffhanger, <laughs> um, and he like knew you guys were traveling to Azankazad, and he jumped on his dire bat uh, with with turning another NPC who was a buddy of your guys, flew off, just cackling, and he said, "I'll see you in Azankazad." And that was the end of the. Session. And that was the end. But and that, that was one month until we had to put that was a uh, that was a night. <laughs> that's for yeah. sure. And that is the story. Of Dama Dwinadrin, the Deceiver. Uh, so that's all we have for the story time this week. I hope that you guys really enjoyed it. Uh, let us know what you thought about this episode. We'd love to hear from you, as always. Uh, we'll have all of our links. As you've, you guys have heard it all before, so we're not going to go into that right now. But uh, if you follow us on Twitter, uh, you may have noticed that through the past, uh, I'd say about the past month, uh, we've been throwing out questions online uh, through Twitter. Uh, about what do you get a uh, blank for Christmas and it of course is Dungeons and Dragons related and so uh, this all had a purpose it wasn't just for fun 
Uh, tonight, we are going to go through those questions, and we have special shout-outs for the winners who gave us the most entertaining of answers for each of those questions. So, uh, let's begin. So, the first, the first question that I asked was, uh, what do you get a goblin for Christmas? And uh, the, the winner of this question is at Mark Mayhew 3. Mark Mayhew says, what do you get a goblin for Christmas? A dwarven war axe to the skull. Masterwork, of course. It is Christmas, after all. <laughs> <laughs> that was our favorite one. Me and Chris yeah. voted on our yeah, we favorite went through song. Earlier today. Now we do have an honorable mention to at Rick's 27. Can I mention? Uh, which is, of course, uh, Magic Mark's Twitter. So follow Magic Mark at, at Rick's 27. And um, Magic Mark says, A crown... What do you get? A goblin for Christmas? A crown of rulership over an entire city of goblins, which of course we all know refers to our beloved Stop yeah. NBC. So, uh, good job, Mark. You got an honorable mention on the podcast. Next question we have: uh, What do you get a beholder for Christmas? Um, There's the a lot about monocles in this. One. Yeah. <laughs> so, our, our the one that we picked, um, the winner is at I True Seven. And Adai True Seven says, "What do you get a beholder for Christmas? A bunch of monocular sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty awesome. We also got an honorable mention, and I will state this: you're gonna hear, you're gonna hear this guy. He had a lot of good, a lot of good answers, so he comes up a couple times. But our honorable mention goes out to at DMG Two, and at DMG Two says, "What do you get a beholder for Christmas? A date." With a one-eyed, one-horned, flying Thank purple people-eater. Yes. <laughs> really like that one. So good, good job great. to both of you. That was really great. Next up, uh, what do you get a halfling for Christmas? At the angry DM says, a booster seat. <laughs> that is a good one, too. So good job at the angry G DM. Um, next up, what do you get a lich for Christmas? Uh, at at the worst DM. <laughs> at the worst DM wins this one with, I would imagine, what do you get a Lich for Christmas? I would imagine they only want eternal life. Or Starbucks gift cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, what do you get an owl bear for Christmas? Uh, at DMG2 wins this one. Uh, what do you get an owl bear for Christmas? A picnic basket full of Tootsie Pops. <laughs> that one took me a second without thinking, but I, it was it is brilliant. I didn't like, get it until we no. talked about it today. I was like, Tootsie Pops. I get it. I get the Tootsie Pops. Tootsie Pops. Yeah. I didn't get the picnic basket until I realized he was talking about Yogi, Yogi Bear. Bear. I was like, oh, I that's, get it now. It's it's brilliant. it was it was too good not to win. One of one of my favorite uh, monsters. Uh, what do you get a mind flayer for Christmas? Uh, the winner of this one is at Nerdy Wheels, and he just said simply Advil. <laughs> no, it was it was Advil. Advil question mark. Yeah, uh, but we also have another honorable mention from at DMG2. Told you he'd be mentioned a lot. We just had to give it out to him. His answer's good. Uh, this one's awesome. He says, what do you get a mind flare for Christmas? A book called Hooked on Psionics. <laughs> <laughs> we also have another honorable mention. Uh, and this one is just ridiculous and doesn't make sense, but we thought this was funny. Uh, so this one is from at J-S-E-P-E-T-A. Oh, I, I don't know how to say that. Uh, but I just want to point out that their name on Twitter is uh, Santa Dong. Uh, but uh, what do you get a mind flare for Christmas? Here's how, how he answers. 
does the mind flare have a mare a uh, lair? I have a lair. I'm a monster. Grr. Hashtag gnome. Hashtag awesomer. <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that Okay, moving on. Uh, we got what do you get an ice giant for Christmas? Uh, at P Main Pre tells us what do you get an ice giant for Christmas? A scarf made from the beards of dead dwarves. <laughs> uh, we got another honorable mention for that one uh, from at Yeti Bex. What do you get an ice giant for Christmas? Anything it wants. Yeah, anything it wants. <laughs> Which is very true. You don't wanna you don't wanna give him coal, that's for sure. Yeah. Unless he wants coal. He might want coal. It's cold out there in the tundra. Uh, here we go, Caleb. This one's for you. Uh, what do you get a paladin for Christmas? Uh, at Lockjaw wins this one. Uh, what do you get a paladin for Christmas? Some godly presents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this one's the for me right one now. So far. <laughs> this one's for funniest, yes. Uh, what do you get a wizard for Christmas? At Jacob203 wins this one. Uh, what do you get a wizard for Christmas? A wonderful gift. Funny, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> funny, funny. Uh, we got another honorable mention for what do you get a wizard for Christmas from at Pathless Pod. What do you get a wizard for Christmas? Obviously, every wizard wants the role of an antagonist in one of DM Mitch's campaign ideas. See episode six. So there you go. <laughs> I appreciated that one. Thank you. <laughs> at Pathless Pod. Um, next one up. What do you get a Minotaur for Christmas? This one's a good one. <laughs> I like this one. Uh, the winner of this one is at Playing Vita Ya. Um, and at pl Matt Playing Vita Ya says, What do you get a Minotaur for Christmas? A map of the labyrinth. Maybe he's not guarding it, and he's just lost. Stop assuming things, PC. <laughs> <laughs> Looking out for the Minotaurs out there. Uh, Every bad guy oh is just misunderstood. These, these just these get so good. Oh, that's right. We were to, they got better as they went on. Yeah, these, yeah. This, one's, this one is really good. Uh, I, I love this one. Uh, so the next one is, what do you get a gift Yankee for Christmas? Uh, at Vivas Mortis tells us, what do you get a Yankee for, uh, gift Yankee for Christmas? A gift card. <laughs> oh, sorry. It was a gift certificate. Yeah. But oh my gosh, I love that one. That was <laughs> clever, very clever. Uh, we got two more here. We got uh, what do you get a bard for Christmas? Um, at AJ Fisher tells us what do you get a bard for Christmas? A harp of auto tuning makes even the worst voice passable when singing. <laughs> harp of auto tuning. I love that. Put that in your campaign. And then last but surely not least. Uh, what do you get a dungeon master for Christmas? At DMG two, you have won this one again. Um, at DMG, at DMG two says, what do you get a dungeon master for Christmas? The link to the Dungeon Masters Blog podcast. Amen to that. <laughs> Amen to that. I'm so those, that was a that was a great Hashtag time. Self plug. That was a great time. Thank you for uh, uh, for uh, commenting on that. This is why you got to follow us on Facebook at. DMS underscore block. That's at That's DMS. Twitter. Yeah, it sounds like Twitter. There you be. go. Twitter, not Facebook. <laughs> uh, but also, like us on Facebook. We don't need to go through all this right now. Christmas episode. Stop Stop advertising. All right. Uh, so, those are... I know I did. <laughs> so, uh, that was our uh, Twitter jokes. Uh, hopefully, you've been able to follow us as we've been doing those. Uh, and though those are your shout-outs for your hard-earned jokes for those questions. They've been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. That right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? 
We have one other special gift that we want to give you for Christmas. Uh, as we were thinking through um, this Christmas season, what would be something fun that we could give to our listeners, we decided that we wanted to add in something to our podcast called the Mailbag of Holding. Uh, and this is going to be a section where you as listeners can email in uh, questions, uh, stories that you have, anything else that you want to share with us. And this is going to be the section where, where we share your listener-supported uh, questions and so we have one today that's very Christmas themed and I just want to share it with you. It comes from uh, DM Main Prize. Uh, he emails in and he's talking about his past campaign that he just was running with his group and and he wanted to give it a little bit more of a Christmas theme and so uh, he writes he says uh, my group won't be able to meet till after Christmas so I also threw in a Christmas surprise during our last session while traveling to the Ort Cave they saw Santa or as I describe it. High in the sky above the campsite flew a carriage that appeared it was being pulled through the air by horses or deer. I then said uh, that it started to falter and appear that it was that something that it was like beginning to crash. It regained its bearings and something fell out the back of the carriage. They searched for a bit and found a chest. In this chest were four snowballs that were uh, cold to the touch and didn't melt. A successful arcana check let the group know that these could be thrown at enemies and could do a little bit of damage, but importantly, uh, would freeze the target they hit in place for 1d4 rounds. Uh, so that was a little present that came uh, from jolly old St. Nick in his his, uh, his campaign. And so we just wanted to share that with you this week uh, and let you know that during this section, this is going to be something that that we are going to add in any questions that you have, any any comments, any stories that you have. And so uh, be sure to email those in. And without further ado, we are going to hop back in with a couple of goodbyes from our from our players that joined us this week. And then we have a, a special song for you. So I hope you enjoy that. They have been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. That right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? And now... It's time for our song that we wrote for everybody. But before we do our song, we promised you singing, uh, and it is coming. But before we do our song, uh, we just want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us on this special episode. Uh, uh, do you guys want to tell everybody Merry Christmas out there? Let's go around like we did in intro order. Uh, say a couple words, tell everybody Merry Christmas. Jared. Hi, I'm Jared. As a, <laughs> as a pastor, I should probably say Merry Christmas uh, and remind you that the reason for the season is Jesus Christ. Paladin Caleb. Um, have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> and, you know, make good life choices this Christmas. That's the Paladin thing to do. There you go, Paladin Caleb. In each of Rax's personalities. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> Magic Mark. Uh, well, that, that was my thing. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. There you go. Keep on. Play D&D. Uh, <laughs> <my job. laughs> all right. Mark from Washington. Merry Christmas from Washington. Hope all the snow out your way is good. We still could use some. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and and that's uh, that's going to bring you to an end for these guys. Uh, Chris, we'll say Merry Christmas at the end. Yep, uh, you ready right. to sing, dude? I am. All right, let's get to it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start up the music here. Yeah, that's more like it. Yeah, we don't have any of that weak stuff here at the Dungeon Masters no, Box. Sir. We wanted to make sure that we gave everybody, all of our listeners, the best possible 12 days of Christmas as a present this year. 
So I hope that you really like our NPC band that we have talked about. They're going to be shredding it up here on the Dungeon Masters blog, 12 Days of Christmas. Everybody, I hope you enjoy. Here we go. On the first day of Christmas, my DM gave to me a food mage shooting magic spaghetti. There he is, always having to plug the food mage. I gotta give the fans what they want, Chris. I gotta give the fans what they want. What, and no love for the level 20 commoner? Maybe next Christmas, maybe next Christmas. On the second day of Christmas, my DM gave to me two treasure chests and a food made shooting magic spaghetti man chris everybody loves treasure don't they yeah i wonder what would be inside of those oh, perhaps a wonderful Ooh, gift maybe on the third day of christmas my dm gave to me three orc bowmen two treasure chests and a food made shooting out magic spaghetti you know, orcs are classic, Chris, but they can't really fight that well against a good adventuring party. What else can we throw? I got the perfect thing. Here we go. On the fourth day of Christmas, my DM gave to me four Gorgon herds, three orc bullmen, two treasure chests, and a food-made shooting magic spaghetti. Four Gorgon herds, Chris? You're a mean DM. What can I say? On the fifth day of Christmas, my DM gave to me five climbing rings. For the chimney! Four Gorgon herds, three orc bowmen, two treasure chests, and a food-made shooting magic spaghetti. Bastion Windsailer on rhythm guitar! Woo! Yeah, Bastion! And there's Dale the Dragon on the drums. Give it up for Dale. Rock those drums, Dale. Woo! And here he comes, Mitch, everybody's favorite NPC. Everybody, stop the goblin on lead guitar. This is how the goblin king of Orenthal shreds, everybody. Seriously, Chris, I couldn't be more proud, a more proud parent of this NPC. Mitch, we're running out of time. we got to get back to the song. All right, let's go up to day 12. On the 12th day of Christmas, my DM gave to me 12 bards of drumming, 11 bandits swiping, 10 reapers reaping, Nine beholders glancing, eight fortitude saves, seven sirens singing, six hydra heads, five climbing rings, four the chimney, four gorgon herds, three orc bowmen, two treasure chests, and a food made shooting magic spaghetti. Merry Christmas, everyone. We really hope you enjoyed this special episode of the Dungeon Masters. And our, and our gifts to you. And our gifts to you. Uh, you can find us at the usual places. We'll have them listed in the show notes below. We hope that you have a very Merry Christmas and a lot of time with your family and have a very happy New Year. Man, Chris, if we didn't deserve a five-star review before, we certainly do Like that we do. Happy Merry, or Merry Christmas, everybody. Keep on Dungeon Mastering. Merry Christmas.